0: Namaste. So, 1947, 1948, the years were inching closer by, and Shobindo's main work, which was, as he speaks in his his five dreams, the main work, the leap from the human to the next evolutionary stage, was getting delayed. The two great wars were there for that, then freedom movement, all this had come to delay the work in at one level. And these were all important and interconnected works. So that's what he says in his five dreams that first thing is India must be free because if India is not free, who will bear the torchlight for the world? So he had put his spiritual force, even physically, released the lines through which India's freedom would take place initiated the great um, uh, ideas along which the freedom movement should take place. All these writings we read, Passive Resistance, uh, Boycott, Swaraj, all of them are there in Bande Matram, much before uh, Gandhiji came on the scene. So he had already set up all these lines. When he was asked also, why did you move to Pondicherry? He said, because uh, India's freedom was assured. And the lines along which it would uh, lead to freedom were all foreseen and done. So, he had done that work. Still, he had put his spiritual force so that it comes through minimum distortion, minimum problems. But then, human and the divine, this is the beauty of the play or the charm of the play or the danger of the play because it's a conscious evolution, so human consent, human collaboration is necessary. And if we had accepted the Crips proposal, it would have been a different India, unpartitioned. But we didn't heed to Sherbindo's advice. The result is a partition, and all that followed. That too Sherbindo absorbed within himself. Then the Second World War. The second thing, which his dream was, the rise of Asia. That too during that time we see it had begun. The rise of Asia had begun. Third dream was the dream of human unity, and that the Second World War was just the very opposite. And paradoxically, the forces of unity worked to come together to slay or to save. So, there were countries which got together, extremely divisive forces to destroy the world order. And there were forces which got together to save against the onslaught of destruction. But just like in the Mahabharata, the Divine used both. When Shurabinda was asked... Uh, If Divine is present on all sides, then uh, like in Kurushetra war. So what about the Second World War? It was so gruesome, so macabre. One can't even imagine all the, I think, uh, ten Mahabharatas would pale into insignificance when you compare with just the Second World War. In terms of the widespread conflict, in terms of the cruelty and the torture, all said and done, they still had some sabbhata left in these people. Night time they will not fight And you know they will not torture eh? One Abhimanyu and it You know became a news (laughs) Which tilted the balance So this was the worst war humanity has perhaps Ever seen at least not in the last I mean Mongols yes But it was like the Mongols And all these invaders The Mughals all these came together The, The torturing Forces that came from Portuguese into Goa All these as if came together and turned into a much worse thing, supported by the abyss and this was the kind of thing that took place during Second World War. Yet something happened in the process and that was they did one task and that was they broke the old world order completely. It left men totally confused as to which way to go. This was the neat world they had imagined and that world built by science, technology, uh, positivism and all that faith, it just collapsed. So there was... A state when people didn't know where they will go and during that phase as we were recounting those lines from Savitri a giant dance of Shiva tore the past and subsequently at the same time he saw I saw them cross the twilight of an east. So they were children wanting to come down upon earth because they saw now the ground is ready. But was the ground ready? No, there were still the old fiefdom in the masses of human consciousness. They Uh, Strong representatives, the iron dictators in one of the poems, Shobindu says, the four, the gruesome four, which are the shadows of the original four, they were still active upon earth. And the mother speaks about them, but that story is a little later. So, this was still going on, and uh, something had to be done to completely prepare the ground. So, what is the way if light confronts night? Night will not come to light, because it knows to meet the light, it means it is going to be annihilated. So it, it is only possible to annihilate the night if light is ready to invade. And this invasion may look very easy, it's, but just imagine, the sunlight can reach everywhere, but try slipping into a cave, try slipping into a hole where snakes are dwelling, it's very difficult. It just doesn't allow passage, sunlight which is the most powerful light it comes to all over the earth but to enter into those holes. So these are the holes and caves of subconscious darkness in which these dasus and panis as it is called in the Vedas, they are hidden. And we have the story of Rishi Agast who drinks the ocean and suddenly with the power of the world breaks open the um, layer of these forces and then Indra's thunderbolt kills them. So, Sri was drinking the ocean of the world with all these world forces in the turmoil. And as we were saying last time, that it is because he drank the poison. What may have turned into a terrible crisis. Uh, You can't imagine, see, if between two human beings, if there is a fight. How long do they remember it? (laughs) They remember it sometimes for... Till the last breath I have seen people. This was a clash which included nations. And yet, if we look at the last 60 years, it's surprising how things, as if somebody absorbed and drank that whole ocean of poison, that Kalkut. So he did that work. And as a result of swelling the poison, Sri Aurobindo had to take the crucial decision. And the decision was, one of them had to work to bring down the supramental manifestation, which was the first thing important, most important work. The fourth work being India's being the spiritual guru of the world. Since We are speaking of five dreams, so we will connect with that. So that had already begun. Sri own words, the Arya and everything had started going abroad. Swami Vikananda had gone there. So that part had also begun. But he says the fifth and most difficult dream is the leap from the human to the superhuman. That is the definitive change. Short of that, you may clear the world like after the Mahabharata for 3,000, 4,000 years. But sooner or later the decline will come because at the root there is still falsehood. It is lurking deep inside. It is the same way with uh, curing us of uh, any uh, malady with uh, some drugs. So we may, uh, we don't cure it. Actually, people often ask uh, me as a doctor uh, about curing the diseases. So I tell them doctors never cure. Actually, there is no remedy we have for curing a disease. So what do we do? We can contain the symptoms and make a person comfortable. Number two, we allow the body time to heal itself. Sometimes that happens. You control the symptoms and the body will heal itself. Even when there is a frank bacterial infection, what you are doing, you are aiding the body, assisting the body. But if somebody doesn't have an immune system, you may give antibiotics. How long you will give antibiotics? Ultimately, it is the immune system which will fight against the germs. So, uh, all these methods are very good to contain up to a point, but after a point, your body will begin to snap. So, same thing happens with civilizations that you may try to put certain checks, balances, systems of governance in place, but after some time, they begin to crack down. So, between Mother and Shurabindo, the twin avatar, they took a decision. Or rather, he took the decision. (laughs) And the Mother, one had to leave and work from behind the scene. And why work from behind the scene? Well, that's a very interesting mystery. Um, When the divine being comes and takes a human body, people often have this vague, strange idea that when you are in the body, you can work very well. Well, for unconscious beings, it is true. Taking a human body for conscious being is only to have an effect on matter and the material world, because the material world doesn't respond to the subtle forces. But at the same time, as far as conscious beings are concerned, divine beings, they can work very well. Freed from the body Because they are no more limited It's like being in a cage and passing orders And when you are freed from the cage You are far more Your action will be far more greater But human beings have to be receptive So this common factor is still there So between them one had to They had to take the decision That someone has to Now take the plunge Take the battle to its last den Death of Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini And many other Chinna Chinna Hitlers, they don't mean much until the uh, roots of evil, even in its own den, is defeated. And for that, someone had to enter the den. Light had to invade the dolorous was, the Vast from where pain emerges, the darkness, the origin of darkness. Shubindo knew this, we see in Savitri. And very interestingly, those portions, descend into night, the worlds of falsehood. it's after the Second World War that he revised it to this length. Because uh, that was the time he actually entered and saw all of it. And he would enter there and come back, enter there and come back, taking the light to a point. But this time, he took it to take the final plunge. Now, this final plunge means what? Initially, when light would enter this darkness, and darkness is immense, it will try to encircle, encircle, circle and to an onlooker from outside, it will look that now light is lost. The darkness has encircled it. But a point comes when this light is bound to burst forth and scatter itself into a million stars. So this is the logic behind it and that's exactly what Sri Bindo decided to do, to plunge into the night. The mother was as she is the mother, but also the mother of God, his sister and his spouse, the daughter of his, uh, his daughter and of his wisdom, the maid. She is all these together. So obviously uh, she said, no, no, I will go. It is very interesting that in mother's lifeline was very short. It was in something like thirties, whereas Sri lifeline was quite long. And Mother said, I must go. And Sri said, no. If one of us has to go for the transformation, I will go. And you will carry on this work also because your body is prepared, better prepared. So she took upon herself, the will of the Divine surpasses everything. And she took it upon herself that she will carry on the yoga to its fulfillment. Now this is about the last dream. All other four dreams were... At least on the way to fulfilment. India was free, though not yet one. But that, Shubhinda knew that it is bound to happen. He didn't uh, set a time frame. For nothing he set a time frame. Because all that he saw and spoke about these things was from a timeless will. But he knew that this has to be, will come closer if the supermind descends and that power becomes active. Because then only it can annihilate. If you read the Life Divine, the last chapter and Toward the end, he says that it is only if the supermind descends. Otherwise, human beings, when they go through this transition, even up till the level of the overmind, there are dangers and precipitous dangers. Because the higher you rise, the more precipitous the descent. Facilis descensus. But if supermind can come and take charge, then it will annihilate all the difficulties. So their whole program was now. Before there is a third world war, let the supramental manifestation take place and they have to take a decision. So, Shobindo made an appointment in his diary. I have met my disciples, I have met devotees, everybody. Now, let me meet the night. Let me meet <clears throat> the mother of falsehood. That's how he describes in Savitri. Diti, you know Diti. Who is Diti? Is very interesting story about Diti and Aditi. They are two wives of Rishi Kashyap, and Kashyap is the symbol of immortality. So both are necessary, <laughs> but Diti is forever unhappy. Why? Because she believes that uh, my husband doesn't give me much attention, doesn't favour me much. He is all the time favouring Aditi and her children. And her husband keeps telling her that, look, you know, it is not that I don't love you, I don't care for you, but your children are not ready to change. So this is the story in a nutshell. Though they will dramatize it when they show it as if the man is a very partial human being, the Rishi. So we can take it like that, that now he went to meet Mother Diti and enter her womb. And as he is reborn, the light is reborn, she herself changes. So this was the plan, and there's a beautiful um poem here. I think we have read it earlier, but it's worth reading again and again. The Pilgrim of the Night, because sometimes um one hears very frivolous comments, Oh Shrubindo went away. Not realizing nobody compelled him to go away. He made a choice and it was a tremendous choice. It is thanks to that choice that today we have the new world possibility within us. And the only way we can understand 5th December is to be full of gratitude. There is no other way because it's a tremendous last sacrifice where, as the mother put it, to hasten the collective realization, he sacrificed the individual realization. Nobody had compelled him. He could have, like any other yogi, just blazed through the entire thing. And, but if you read the life divine, you understand that only Sri only you can do it. If you read through when he speaks about Gnostic beings, Gnostic life, it's like even for spiritual beings, saints, sages, it's too vast to be even comprehended. So, mother came, he gave the charge that prepared these children. That was the work given to her. And so he said, now let me go and meet the knight. The ashram was established. India's freedom was secured. The disciples had come. At least a small sample representative had come. There was enough for them to be guided for centuries. And so he said, now all these works for which the avatar had come, sans the supramental manifestation. And that too, since he was experiencing it himself, he knew that the certainty that it will touch matter and stay with it. But the finality had not had happened, so he took that, wrote in his diary, I am coming to meet you, O night," And that we find in this poem. I made an assignation with the night." In the abyss was fixed our rendezvous. So night says, yes, come, have dinner with me. Where? Come to my den. What will you serve me? Fear, terror, grief, acrimony of the world, mockery. The world will mock at you. That's how it describes in a God's labor, no? That how they mock at me, both gods and men. They say that all that you say are a Shimra's dream. So this is how the world will mock at you. You will have to take all this food. Because you are coming to meet me, I will serve for you, a banquet and all the poison of the world. Are you ready? So he says, in my breast carrying God's deathless light, I came her dark and dangerous heart to woe. So he says, yes, I will come. And then to go there, I left the glory of the illumined mind. You have to leave all that behind. The mother did the same thing in a different way. When we come to that part, we'll speak about it. And the calm rapture of the divinized soul. His soul had realized its utter identity with the divine. So divinized soul. And traveled through a vastness dim and blind to the grey shore where her ignorant waters roll. So he is now standing on the borderlands of ignorance where it will take to the inconscient. I walk by the chill wave through the dull slime and still that weary journey knows no end. He has been called to go there or he is going uninvited but there is that assignation with the night and it's taking him further and further and deeper and deeper because it's abyss, shadow of the infinite. Perhaps experiencing this abyss People spoke about eternal hell because there is a state where you get a feeling that it is the end of all things and this is eternal, it is not going to end. This is what the suicidal people experience in extreme depression. They feel that my misery and suffering will never end and this feeling that it will never end comes from this abyss. It gives a sense, it erects a false eternity of its own world. And when people are caught in it, they believe that this suffering can never end. It is eternal. So that's how it pushes him on the verge of despair. And losing hope, they actually plunge into the abyss which has drawn them, woven a net around them. So, and still that very journeying knows no end. The thing about, the yoga here that many times in, in the spiritual journey, in Shorbindu and the mothers, even otherwise, Shorbindu says that there is no yoga, um, <laughs> that is no yoga uh, which is easy like French without tears. So, yoga by its very nature, even ordinary yoga, you have to take on a lot of onslaught of these forces. And if you look at it, that's why not all are initiated into yoga. In ancient times, there was a strict rule. Even to enter the ashram of a rishi to get enrolled, you had to, in some way or the other, pass through a test to prove your credentials. It was not like you just go read a book and okay, now I am... So there were those who were book carriers, who, who were, by oral tradition, they remembered the book. But, the rishis who initiated people, it was a secret ceremony. That's how, because it's it's not for everybody. Now everything is available for everyone. But one must understand that the call must come. Till then there is a preparation, which is fine. Reading books is a preparation. Coming here is a wonderful preparation. But the touch has to be received where one knows I have the call. And what does the call mean? Sri says one should be ready to endure everything. Because it's a journey where the fight can become merciless. And yet, he who endures with faith, he goes through. Not to the end, but beyond the end. (laughs) So, And still that very journeying knows no end. Lost is the lustrous Godhead beyond time. There comes no voice of the celestial friend. You feel the presence is veiled. You feel that, you know, Where was that state? And I have heard some of the um, old-time sadhaks and quite uh, very, you know, who had really led a very wonderful life. And one of them was asking me. It was a very touching thing, you know. I didn't have words to say. He said, why is it that nowadays I don't feel that way? I used to see Mother and Srivastava. I don't see them now so often. And I don't... uh, And... I didn't know whether I should say or not because, you know, he's an elderly person. He's in his 80s and he's asking me like this. Then I one day said, said but you know it, it's all there in what they have written. When one enters into the inconscient for the change, this is what happens, this experience through which one goes through. But then the difference is that in the sunlit path, because you have realized the psychic, so you go through it smilingly, cheerfully. That's why the importance of realizing the psychic. If without realizing the psychic, one is open to the spiritual consciousness above, then one dips. It can be very unnerving because the gods above cannot enter there to your rescue. But if the psychic is once it is realized, then no darkness can ever veil the presence. So this is the importance of in Sri Yoga Yoga. One of the importance to realize the psychic as the first thing before one talks about other things. And yet I know, but Sri is doing it for the world. So it's the whole cosmic problem he has taken upon himself. And yet I know, so this knowledge comes from where? The deathless light which he is carrying in his heart. So there is a clear hint that wherever you may go, whatever be the darkness, keep this light alive in the heart. And yet I know my footprint's track shall be a pathway towards immortality. So he is very conscious of his mission. He's carrying that deathless light, his divinized soul which is there within and then he's entering into that state of darkness. Whom is he meeting there? is going to meet those four chieftains, the iron dictators. These are the ones who dictate. See, it's very interesting. Shubinder has given the title to this poem, The Iron Dictators. So we talk about dictators outside, but these are the Four great asuras, who are the inversions, the shadows of the four great powers, which were born out of the one. And the four great, we know that different ways in tradition, different traditions we speak about them. But life becomes death, its opposite. Consciousness becomes unconsciousness, truth becomes falsehood, and delight becomes suffering. So how do they attack and uh, govern mankind? It's very interesting to see their play. Uh, Interesting to watch and know and become conscious so that we don't fall into that trap. One of the most common doors through which falsehood enters is unconsciousness. If you look at life, whether it be suffering or anything, it's unconsciousness because we are not conscious. So many things that we do, we are totally unconscious. And these forces are waiting. So unconsciousness is their ally. Then suffering enters after that. Now suffering is a purification, makes us conscious. So its purpose is, eventually the divine allows this. And then comes falsehood, which grips us completely. What is falsehood? One of the biggest falsehoods that uh, human beings are in its complete grip and makes so much hullabaloo about it is death. The biggest falsehood and there is a universal belief in it. And if you look at it logically, scientifically, I am not talking spiritually, just logically, scientifically. What really is a form? Form is how your senses weave reality through whatever electron, proton, neutron are there. It's a woven reality. It's not reality. It's a vest. It's an investiture. It's pure science will tell us. This is nothing but a vest. Our senses have woven it through the play of, but nature is behind it. So nature has organizes the senses in such a way that, and then this is the constant pattern, which makes the sense of stability, and we believe in it. It's like an image on television screen. If one wants to take an example, the entire cinema is nothing but a woven reality. And. It is actually not a continuous thing, but we watch it as a continuous thing. It's completely discontinuous process, constant assembly, constant assembly, patterns. But we think even what we look at static, seems static is not static. It's a constant motion. But that is how this is a constructed reality. But constructed reality is a constructed reality. It's like a house. The house may go, but the owner remains. And yet, because we are so much occupied with the... Grip of this shape, form, name, norm that we completely forget that this is not reality and we start believing in death because this it disintegrates and this it disintegrates that there is a the purpose in it because when it disintegrates then a new building is built up because the soul within never gives up. This is the whole story. But falsehood what does it do? Terror, fear. You are this. You will finish. You will go away. You are going to die. And this, uh, what is called in Indian thought as Deyatma Bodh, has been one of the big problems and challenges. While one has to work upon form because form has to become manifestation of the spirit. But turning form into a means to manifest the spirit is very different from being afraid of death or destruction of the form. It's like plasticine. If something goes, you can rebuild it. And the mother says that those who want to conquer death and build immortality here should not be afraid of death. This is the first condition. If you are afraid of death, I had long back somebody coming, walking into my clinic and asking, uh, whatever he was saying something, you know, I have this problem, that problem. It was full of fear. So early days, so I didn't really much understand the milieu this way. So I said, but why are you so afraid of death? Taking it for granted that anybody who has come here would be freed from death. The fear of death. All these things. So I said, but why are you so afraid of death? He said, sir, but because I am afraid of death, I have come here. So I said, this logic I must understand. I said, why if you are afraid of death? Sir, this is the only place where I believe I can become immortal. So then I asked him the question, which I will become immortal? This Deha, sir. I want this to become immortal. I said, Oh, that so you are afraid of death, huh? So I said, they do don't go together, first realize the immortal self inside. No, no, sir, this is the only place where I can become immortal. In this, I will become immortal. So this fear of death drives people in strange ways, so one of them is that they start looking upon death as such a big reality, fills them with fear. Forms disintegration are taken with so much shock, disbelief, dismay, as if everything is lost. So, all this is a, like a network of forces which is woven around us. So, these are the four terrible Asuras who rule the earth. And there is a poem called The Iron Dictators. And they completely veil the divine presence. Or so it seems. In Savitri, there is a passage. Toward the eternal darkness, where he describes that, you know, you get a feeling that even Savitri, for a moment, looks like Satyavan is lost from her eyes. So it's not to be underestimated. One should never want these things, but Shabindra is reminding us, and of course, he has gone through it. This is an autobiographical poem. I looked for thee alone, but met my glance. The iron dreadful four who rule our breath. They were the ones who had created the world war. Masters of falsehood. Kings of ignorance. High sovereign lords of suffering and death. So these are the four who rule the earth. And you know when many of us who grew up with a certain idealism When we are very young, we innocently believe that the whole world is, everybody's ideal, everybody is wonderful. And slowly you discover that deceit, cunning, cheating, this is a way of life, people live in it, breathe in it. Just uh, once again to share a little, as an aside, somebody asked, uh, was saying with regard to the recent pandemic, but you know, the great scientist in, uh, you know, the The people in charge, administrators, heads, heads of uh, this organization, I won't name her because (laughs) this organization and that organization, they are saying such things. I said, yeah, they must be very saintly people, absolutely governing, governed by truth. He said, what do you mean? I said, look here, they are doctors, right? Now doctors, you don't know what happens in practice outside. Doctors are flooded with fridges and TVs and this and that. And it's a fact I'm saying. I know what happens. So, why? Just to write a prescription. Nobody tells them that you write. They are just gifted. No, no, you take it. All the conferences that we people attend are all funded by the medical companies. I'm just telling you an insider truth. Funded your travel, your stay, the food is funded there. And you get a nice bag to carry and you will have to do nothing, just go and attend and come. Now, in that comp in that conference, it will be written sponsored by. That's all. One odd person will speak about a certain drug which will represent. That's all. You're not telling a lie, nothing. See, this is how falsehood carries a net. Original Mafia Don style. Now imagine the heads of these organizations. What they must be playing with, the kind of money. The billions of dollars which are pumped into the industry. So do we expect them to be very satyavadi? And even if they are satyavadi, they believe, what's wrong, we are only asking people to stay safe and just wear masks and gloves. That's all we are saying. Not realizing that you are instilling fear, you are you know, falsifying an entire, because you are not the one who is giving the vaccine. They actually start believing in it. So these, this is how they are governing the world. High sovereign lords of suffering and death Whence came these formidable autarchies? Autarchies? Because they are totally cut off, separated and independent from the divine They have declared But how much ever you may cut, the divine will reach there So one of the work of Sri to restore them to their original pristine glory He is going there not to finish them Because you cannot finish You have to restore them So that's why transformation you, you can Actually, the divine cannot destroy anything in that sense. What you can destroy is certain forms, certain formations which they have taken. But the ultimate remedy has to be transformation because they have emerged from that and they derive their strength still secretly from that. It's like, whether it be good or evil, it draws its strength from the sun. So, if the sun decides, I will withdraw my force from earth because a lot of people take... Uh take me in and do evil. Earth will be destroyed and what what means what does it mean? It means that it will once again start the whole process. you cannot and again the same possibility will come up with the same thing because it's the whole cycle. so you cannot destroy, you have to transform. Just imagine that he is going there to tell them that I have brought a message from the one with whom you have separated and declared yourself free. So what is the message? I'll give you true freedom. This is what Sri is telling us. And we don't want to listen. That I'll give you true freedom. Sir, freedom from what? Freedom from ignorance. Freedom from fear. Freedom from death. Freedom from suffering. Freedom from pain. Uh, Sir, um, sounding too utopian. Can we have your prescription? Aspiration, rejection, surrender. Sir, can you tell us something concrete like I can, you know, sit and do this? And can you give in writing how many years? I want a document signed. This is our mindset. (laughs) How we operate like that. No, my word is my assurance, my promise. Sir, we have learnt upon earth the earthly ways. We have stopped believing in promises. Nobody ever keeps including us. So your promise, we don't even know you. We hardly see you. And you want us to believe in your promise. Yes, my child. It is the eternal promise and I have always kept. Sir, what is the proof? See, I have kept coming to earth again and again. Just to awaken you, to take you back. So this was one of the works. So he's going there with this message. I will give you true freedom. But that freedom is to unite yourself with the will of the eternally free. There is the only one kind of freedom. There is no other Freedom. To unite ourselves with the divine is the only freedom, true freedom that man can ever have. But this union has to be out of his own apparent free will. That's the interesting part. So he goes there. Whence came these formidable autarchies from what? Inconscient, blind infinity. Cold propagandists of a million lies. At one place in the world of falsehood, Sri Aurobindo uh, the. Children of darkness in their giant, the sons of darkness in their giant studios of creative death. How to make people die? Creative deaths. Novel ways. The most novel ways, tell them this is going to give you life. Creative death. So here he says, cold propagandists of a million lives, they will say ruthlessly, there are people whom you can detect, you know, jhut uh, bol hai. That means the person is no novice. After some time, they see it with such a smile, such a... Uh, you can't just make out that there is a lie in it. How can such a sweet, smiling person tell a lie? That is the kind of deception involved. Dictators of a world of agony. You buy that lie, okay... They will build a nice sweet dream world for you. Very good. Come, enter. And as you go, you will see that the world changes. That neat bubble vanishes. You know that story know of the person who is shown an image of hell and heaven. So he said, make a choice. So he says, well, give me an informed choice. Okay, show me what hell looks like, show me what heaven looks like. So he sees that uh, in hell there is, you know, a lot of partying and everything is pleasures of earth that you can imagine taken to its ultimate zenith degree. That's, you know, from where all this 70 Virginians come from when you, if you blow yourself up. So, <laughs> this is, oh my God, this is what I have always wanted on earth. It is found in hell. This is all this is mine. Yes, yes. What about heaven? So they see on cloud, somebody is playing a harp. Beautiful, classical music going on. (laughs) And nice, calm atmosphere. He says, this looks cool, but I have to just live there always. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah." I think it's a better choice. So he enters there and suddenly the scene changes. Everybody is fighting, everybody is struggling. They have the cup in hand of that... Famous wine they wanted, but it is all leaking from the bottom. So nothing it can hold. They can't drink because they have all ulceritis, this, that. They have the virgins, but they have (laughs) no capacity, nothing. They can't even have love in their heart. So he says, what was all that which you showed me? He said, yes, I have asked each one to advertise their thing. So hell is mastered lies. So it has created its advertisement shell and you bought it this is how the power of advertisement works and this is what he's saying is a million lies the communist one you have seen you must have seen big cinema stars endorsing a product Do you really believe they actually take a bath with that lux soap or <laughs> use that particular shampoo or use that particular toothpaste but people buy it it's unconscious advertising and this is just one aspect of it. It's much, much, much worse. Propaganda machine. shubindu says there are three hallmarks of the Asura. One is propaganda. Second is regimentation. Third is uniformity. Regimentation, everybody must behave in the same way. You must sit like this. Oh, sorry. Like this. Not like this. If you sit like this, you are blasphemy. Heart you may curse God. But legs must be fine You must sit like this Maybe God will get angry Everybody must sit in the same way If possible in the same dress In the same row This is called regimentation At the same time Second is propaganda Mine is the best Mine is the best I am the best Propaganda <laughs> This is how everybody And the third is uniform What well, This was uniformity Uniformity means that Everybody must behave the same way must agree this pressure which is there like in in military it works it's necessary in military you can't otherwise fight but there is that there must be a sense of uniformity in terms of regimentation means a life ordered very strictly the collective life and uniformity is where there is no individual liberty this was one of the things that is happening incidentally during the Vaccination drive Your individual liberty As if now you are being controlled By somebody somewhere So this is the danger Which is a far greater danger Than the death toll Because once your mind Gets into that mindset That somebody else controls my mind And I don't have the right For my choices It's a very very dangerous thing For humanity as a human being Leave aside the I, I know people who start Literally fighting with others Why aren't you wearing a mask Why haven't you taken a vaccine this kind of aggressiveness starts. So all this is their way. propagandist, cold propagandists, they believe that they are doing a right thing. Dictators of a world of agony. Or was it thou who borest the fourfold mask? Now he says, but you have become all this. Somewhere these are your masks enveloping, enveloping thy timeless heart in time. Thou hast bound thy spirit to its cosmic task to find the veiled in this tremendous mime. This is how you could hold the soul, otherwise the soul would have just rushed away. So you have, from every side, jailed completely. Now what do you do? You are stuck in matter. There is a very wonderful passage in Savitri where he describes the soul as an adventurer in time. It's a constant battle up the Bald Moor and through the ridges and um, Uh, walks the army of the way lost god and there he says that why it is done like this so that we can dig a road from matter to timeless self so we are stuck in matter and this matter is completely under the grip of these four dictators it's only when you believe matter is the only reality that you can experience all this so it is fully in its grip so what happens human beings try to search away In that process, they find something or the other, little, little, one, one step, one, one step. In between, God comes and says, look here, there is a door here, there is a door here, look here. Sir, we are too confused. All the journals are saying, (laughs) there is a door here, there is a door. Now you are also saying, there is an inner door. Sir, please don't confuse us. This is what is happening because there are so many opinions. That's how people say, according to Sri according to Hedekar, according to this. See, this is the way you finish a truth. That you, he says, there is a door, yes, 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 there is another door, there is another. Then, a human mind, an average human mind, is totally lost. He says, yes, everybody is pointing a door, which door shall I open? So, that's why faith is necessary. But yet, it is allowed. This is the adventure. Thou only, thou can raise the invincible siege. It looks invincible. Oh, light! Oh, deathless joy! Oh, rapturous peace! So, what is he is doing is, he is invoking the light, the rapturous peace, and the deathless joy there. Even in that state, this is the difference: that a conscious being, even in that tunnel, even in that densest darkness, even that in the dingy cell, that is the hallmark of a being who is. Come from that stage, Shurabindu, of course, is an avatar, but even a Nitya Mukta would do. You see, when Shurabindu is in jail, this is the difference, that while in jail, he is invoking the Lord of Light, of Freedom, of Delight. Whereas, many people would break down. And because of his presence, people started contributing a little bit to that library. It's very interesting that that library was filled with books on the Upanishads, the Gita, and all these books. That's why Shrinivas says that God took me to a prison and turned it into his resting ground. It became his first ashram, Alipur Jail Library during Shrinivas' time. Because people who went with him, everybody wanted to contribute together little little books. They would ask from people to make a common library, and this library had Vivekananda's books. Um, the Upanishads, the Gitas, Vedantas, many such books were there, which are all there for people to read. So this is what we are here to create. Turn a jail, prison jail, into a library of God. A place where light endless light can come. And then, let me read this poem. <clears throat> and this was a very... Conscious decision, the same thing comes out in the last poem written by Shorbindo. Voice of the summits. It joins his coming, his advent, and his plunge into the night. Voice of the summits, leap from thy peaks of ineffable splendor, wisdom's javelin cast. Leonine cry of the vast, voice of the summit's arrow of gold from a bowstring of silence. Leap down into my heart, blazing and clangorous dart. Here where I struggle alone, unheeded of men and unheeded. Here by the darkness downtrod, here in the midnight of God. We hear about God taking birth in midnight. Krishna was born in midnight in the jail. And Sri now speaks of that midnight where he now once again wants Krishna escaped the prison. Now he has come once again into the prison to liberate um, all other beings. So this is very interesting. Uh, see, now we talk about number of people, uh, how many devotees, disciples people speak about numbers but when shurbindo physically withdrew how many disciples were actually there of shurbindo you can't even imagine now when we read his writings we are blown off that my god many people feel that why were we not there of course we were there in but in a previous this thing but many people believe feel like that but people were there they were reading the Arya Arya was there and there were people drawn by the Arya but still if I, if my memory is right around 200 definitely less than a thousand 200, 500 why? because he never wanted the way of the propaganda you see wherever there is propaganda there is the Asura sitting behind he uses it so he didn't want it that way He knew that the light, let it radiate. People will one day or the other wake up to its call. So you have this. Here where I struggle alone, unheeded of men and unaided, here by the darkness downtrod, here in the midnight of God, I have come down from the heights and the outskirts of heaven into the gulfs of God's sleep, into the inconscient deep. There, that's the shadow of the divine Divine is asleep there He is there But because of that You know that story in Shiv Puran, Where even goddess Parvati She is uh, struck by this asura of unconsciousness Apsmar And she starts losing complete control Even when Shiva comes So he knows he cannot kill him That's what he says You cannot kill me he says, yes, I cannot kill you, I know, but I can contain you. So he starts that nad with that rhythm. He contains it. That's what you'll see in Nataraja, that Apsmar is lying down and Shiva is dancing over him. But he's not dead. You can't kill him. He seizes human beings and draws there. But this time, Shri has come armed with a greater power, not to contain, not to kill, but to transform him. I have come down from the heights and the outskirts of heaven into the gulfs of God's sleep, into the inconscient deep. All I had won that the mind can win of the word and the wordless. Knowledge, sun bright forever and the spiritual crown of endeavour share in the thoughts of the cosmic self and its orders to nature. Cup of its nectar of bliss Dreams on the breast of its peace. So all this I have come, bringing it down into the very abysses of God. Uh, One last poem I still feel like reading. So came 5th December. Sometime before, Sri had decided to withdraw an year or even before. He hid from mother for quite some time. And yet he had indicated to her that if one of us to go, I will go. That was his decent, gentlemanly way of saying. If one of us has to go, I will go. You will have to fulfill the yoga of transformation. And because he, he had to conceal from Mother, which is impossible. And yet, she says later on, he knew that if I will not let him go, So, he had to make sure that he completely conceals himself. So, even from those near him, he concealed for a long, long time, absorbing into himself. 24th November, only indication was that people were asked to hasten through the process of darshan. As late as that, when Savitri is finished, he says, Oh, Savitri is over. Niruddha says, Yes, yes. he says, oh, he took a sigh of relief that my most important work. And then he said, but the book of death is left. He said, we'll see that later. Everything that was important was done in that. And after two weeks of that was 24th November. Two weeks before that, Savitri was over. And then one could see that is slowly, you know, beginning to withdraw. This sense was coming in those around and then seemingly what can be called as an illness and when Niruddha asked him that, uh, why don't you use your force? And he said that, well, I can't explain to you, you won't understand. Because he had seen as a doctor thousands of examples of him curing others. So, he, he was very clear that, you know, you won't understand. And then 2nd December, when all this program takes place, the mother went and she came back fast and she would inquire about uh, how is he. And he would seem to suddenly enter into a state where as if the signs of illness will come and take over and suddenly he would be completely fine, absolutely normal. So people didn't understand what's happening because it was up to him to take that plunge or not take the plunge. He could easily come out and he could go in. That's why the mother said that he was not compelled to withdraw. He was, uh, and then of course the day when the mother says that uh, she kept standing for some time and then she went because she knew that if she is standing, Shobindo had taken the decision to withdraw, but still he will not withdraw if mother is there. And she has explained why he withdrew. All that we will talk about next time. And then 5th December, just a little after midnight, one twenty six, he withdraws early morning. The mother came to know he comes she comes immediately and then all the rest follows which is for later many people feel this is the end of nineteen fifteenth august eighteen seventy two fifth december nineteen fifty Shubin has written everything about the past present future he is not limited his action is not limited to fifteenth August 1872, it doesn't start from then and nor does it end. In fact, it has increased, if anything. But all that we'll talk about in the next or next to next session. But here is a little poem. We'll just read quickly a few lines and then stop. The poem is The End. This is a poem, unfortunately, somebody had quoted. As if this poem is about Uh, you know, a kind of state where eventually you take it that, okay, death is the end. But if you read through the poem, it's just the very opposite. Is this the end of all that we have been and all we did or dreamed? A name unremembered and a form undone, is this the end? Note, Shorabindu has this beautiful, wonderful, um, divine way of expressing things, sometimes just with a comma. Sometimes with a question mark, and that's why mother was so particular, not a comma is to be changed. Shubindu's writings carry that subtlety throughout. You change a letter from a word, and it changes the entire sense. You may think that it in logical mind would think, How is this word here? but the intuitive mind will understand this is exactly how it should be there. And I can give several examples, but that's to go into a different zone altogether. But here, just see the power of the question mark. He's not saying, "Ah, see what is the end of life." He's saying, "Is this the end?" Question mark. It turns the whole thing into a very powerful something. A body rotting under a slab of stone, or turned to ash in fire. A mind dissolved, lost its forgotten thoughts. Is this the end? Mark. A little ours that were and are no more. Our passions one so high dying mocked by the still earth and calm sunshine is this the end our yearnings for the human godward climb passing to other hearts deceived while sinks towards death and hell the world is this the end and shibindo would say even if the world were to end up in a blaze i would look beyond the smash toward the new creation Now comes the beautiful. Fallen is the harp. Shattered it lies and mute. Is the unseen player dead? Remember once uh, in a meeting, people were speaking similarly. There is no word for 5th December except divine sacrifice. Death, departure, all this. I don't know why people write. So said, but sir, now Sri is not there. So... So I asked him, okay, I'll ask you a question. Tell me honestly. He <laughs> said, what is the question, sir? I said, see, it's not just a question, but an opinion poll. There were some 80 people in the camp. I said, tell me, first you tell me, sir. You said that on 5th December. So Shubinda is gone, so what is there?' So I said, tell me, I'm asking question, is Krishna dead? And I said it with a certain force and I said, no, no, you can say that Krishna is dead. Just speak out. Let's, let's hear that. No, no, that is... Um, no, I'm not saying about Krishna. I said, no, you, let me see whether you can... Technically, scientifically, that's what people will say. Then I asked, is there anybody in the crowd who believes Krishna is dead? <laughs> Nobody says it. I said, it's 4,500 years event. <laughs> this is just begun. Shubhinder's delight just begun. So he's saying, because the trees fell where the birds sang, must the song too hush? The bird and the song continue. One in the mind who planned and willed and thought, worked to reshape Earth's fate. One in the heart who loved and yearned and hoped. Does he too end? He's reminding us that yes, Shubhinder, the form, the material envelope. That's how Mother put it if you read that prayer on the samadhi to thee who has been the material envelope of our master see so not saying to thee who has been our master yes the envelope is so beautiful we love it because it's of our master but who is the master he dwells in every heart he dwells in the heart of creation he is there in the very dust of you know uh, this earth so he says the immortal in the mortal is his name don't forget whom are you speaking about? The immortal in the mortal is his name, an artist Godhead here ever remolds himself in diviner shapes, unwilling to cease. You may give up. His venture is since creation began. Till all is done for which the stars were made, till the heart discovers god and the and soul knows itself and even then there is no end finally he answers the question so it's all language of our ignorance Sri Aurobindo, on 5th december withdrew departed some people write the crudest possible word death is a word we should stop using actually in this way we are giving strength to a reality And by that, we have created a being out of nothingness. That's how Mother describes him. We have turned him into a fat fellow by feeding him. There is nothing like that. Forms dissolve and new forms are created by nature. But we have created, just like we have created an excess. Shubindu speaks of it in the life divine. Human ideas of good and bad and heaven and hell have created spaces because human mind is a creator. It has created such spaces where after departure for a while it may go. Mostly in hell. Because, you know, everybody is burdened with this. Oh my God, secretly everybody believes he is the greatest sinner. Though otherwise pointing finger at others. Mother says that once he had taken so much time just to free a man from this idea. Similarly, there are heavens. Oh, after death we will go to some place where there will be... It's nothing but a formation of human collectivity. Religions which have created hell and heaven. So you get an experience like that. But of course there are true vital worlds which are like heaven and which are like hell. But human beings create. So, But otherwise it's nothing. Dissolution of forms and reconstitution. The day we will stop believing in the reality of death as if it's a finishing line, that day we will start aspiring for immortality in the true way. So let's close with this line. The immortal in the mortal is his name. Nityo Nityanam Chetanas Chetanana Eko Bahunam Yo Vidatati Kaman Tamatmastham dhira Stisham Shantim Shashwati Neturesham Nityo Nityanam Chetanas Chaitanana, the immortal, in the mortal is his name. Not just the immortal, the immortal in the mortal. An artist godded here, ever remolds himself in diviner shapes, unwilling to cease. Till all is done for which the stars were made, till the heart discovers God and soul knows itself. And even then, there is no end. This is a wonderful divine project, this creation. And one should feel grateful and fortunate and privileged to be just associated with it in any way. Like that small squirrel of Lord Rama. But there are some who are calculating that, Lord Rama, I do want to join but tell me, it doesn't look like your monkey army will win against the rakshasas. So Rama will say, have faith. Sir, faith and all is okay. But in real reality, the rakshasas we have heard in Ravana's army are 52 yards tall, huge. These monkeys, so Rama will say, at least I know one monkey in this army when he was hit by Ravana. He only went on his knees, but when he hit Ravana, Ravana was totally unconscious and had to be taken away in the chariot. This is the actual story of Ramayana, Hanuman and Ravana story. He says strength does not come from there. You know where did that monkey get his strength from? He got his strength from the God who dwells within his heart. So if you can have faith in that, join this project. How long will it take? Don't worry about it. But if you don't have faith, keep counting. One day you will see the victory is won. Then you will say, oh God, it happened? It's over? Yes. But for those who have entered the play consciously, Srivabindu would say, the mother would say, you have shared the struggle. You will share the joy of the victory. Namaste.